Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, 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 yeah, right. A little artsy to start off your Friday. You ain't got shit to do. You might as well get tuned into the best damn combat sports show. Period, right? I mean, we got the awards to prove it. It's Morning Combat. Your BBC with the BDE. Brian Campbell, you're looking at him right here. Co-hostess with the mostest. Luke Thomas still on vacation in the motherland, but you'll be seeing from him in the future. We are live and direct. Blue Wire Studios here inside the Win on the Strip in Las Vegas. One more sleep, John Anik. I think that's a patented phrase now until we get to Gervonta Tank Davis, King Ryan Garcia, Saturday night on Showtime Pay-Per-View. Today's episode yeah, it's about that fight, okay? We're final stretch, predictions, breakdowns, some great special guests. Do not miss it. Top of the hour here, 9 p, nine a.m., excuse me, Pacific time, noon Eastern. We will have Hall of Famer Andre Ward during this episode sliding in to talk about many topics, including his documentary that's coming to Showtime June 2nd. Before I introduce and bring in, though, the panel that will be joining me today, and we've had plenty of fantastic special guests this week, whether you MMA fans have appreciated them or not. Yeah, yeah, BC's watching you, motherfucker. All right, here we go with that, right? Let's go right into it. I got a great partner before we transition. Uh, I call it a life partner. No, not Luke Thomas, not my beautiful wife, right? Talking about AG1 by Athletic Greens. Because I don't always make the right decisions in my life and my travels due to, you know, my dietary decisions, which, you know, that's how I was raised, Okay. But, you know, the liver's knocking on my door. I need a new foundation. So every morning I take eight, uh, I take one scoop, excuse me, of that green magic powder. I put it in the uh, eight ounces of water. I stir it up. And I know that I'm getting something that tastes fresh. It makes me feel good. It's got, you know, super ingredients in it. This one delicious scoop of AG1 brought to you by Athletic Greens. It absorbs 75 high-quality vitamins in my system, minerals, whole food source, all that stuff. And it doesn't matter if you're keto, paleo, whatever. This will fit in. This will align with you. AG1 so easy. I take it on the road. You've seen that green glass with me. Do I look any better to you? Do I look a little bit more healthy right now? Is that because I'm afraid of death? Or is that because I'm in line with AG1? I'd say both, all right? I would definitely say both at this point. But here's what I need you to do, because you could trust me or you could trust the 7,000 people that have given five-star reviews on social media from AG1. You could even trust the leading experts, the Rogans, the Gervases, the, uh, the other guy, right, uh, to Ferris. But I want you to trust for yourself by going to athleticgreens.com slash morningcombat right now and for your first order, if you're a new customer, how about the five free travel packs? Take them on the road, right? Take them with me, keep me alive. And how about the one-year supply of vitamin C, um, excuse me, the one-year supply of vitamin D drops, which uh, I put right in my AG1 and mix it up. Athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. Get right or, or, or be gone, right? That's what they say at McSorley's, right? Be good or be gone. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Rafe. I love you, brother. Hey, let's bring in my special guest today. Had a lot of fun with Eric Raskin, Kieran Mulvaney, and Alan Dawson on Wednesday's morning combat episode. Today, though, we got some even heavier hitters if you know what i mean let's shift on my left of course you know i'm from john boy media inside boxing live the the award nominated oh. fantastic podcast he does with chris algeri 
And of course, the heir to the throne of CompuBox. Or, or you're going to have to fight your brothers to find out. It's Dan Canobio, baby. What is up, everybody? I'm excited to be here. Big fight week, Vegas, Blue Wire Studios. Yeah. Look at this. Look, Look at, at us. This. And we got a world champion with us on this panel. You know, him and I, we work together on Showbox, the new generation. And, you know, we love each other. But there's some deep-seated animosity to the idea that Raul Marquez is not my favorite fighter of all time. Wow. He's a former world champion. He's El Diamante. Uh, but, you know, you can't pick who you love. But he's one of my, I would say, my favorite broadcaster to work with. So, Raul, thank you for sliding in today, brother. Get it right, buddy. You know, a El Diamante, por favor, please. El Diamante. You forgot about El Diamante. The former junior middleweight world champion right here, okay? Yeah, I mean, Super. we just had the anniversary, correct, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, in April. April, since I won the world title. Wow. Yeah. Actually, I won it here in, in Vegas at the Tropicana Hotel on ABC Wide World of Sports. Wow. The thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, the human drama, the certified <laughs> athletic <clears throat> competition. Remember that? What'd you do I after? I remember that. And we went to the uh, uh, De La Hoya Pernod Whitaker fight with my championship. championship yes. Fight. You party now? Absolutely. They Everybody have, knows me. They Come didn't on. have DMs Everybody. back then, but, <laughs> Those DMs but there, been was knocking. <laughs> there was knocking going on. Hey, you mentioned De La Hoya and we've got a fun bit because you know, you can't pick who you love. Dan, who's your favorite fighter of all time? You can't pick who you love. It They, they pick you. Who is it? Arturo Gatti. Arturo Gatti. And, they, you know, I get it. I get it. Italian. Maybe people that really know me, they get, it's Oscar De La Hoya. And mm. I didn't pick it, but it happened. Why? Because maybe he's the pretty boy that deep inside all of us suburban kids wanted to be. But he's also a badass. Did you see round 12 of, against Corte? But, you know, he's my guy. Love him or hate him. And sometimes we do both. Let's start here, Raul, okay? Because he was your roommate in 92 yeah, in was. Barcelona yeah, at the Olympics. Um, Oscar sometimes says and does things that make us question how much we do love him. But I love him at the end of the day. Did you see what he was wearing yesterday? How does a grown man pull that off? Oh, he keeps in shape. I mean, did you see his new ab work that oh, they did? I mean, like, and he loves, to, he loves to show it off. I mean, if, if, I, if I had the money to do that, hey, listen, I would do that too. Why not? But yeah, no, Oscar, man, we go way back. Uh, you know, we were roommates in the Olympics. Uh, you might have stories. Even before that. Do you oh, have I, stories? from? I got from... a lot of stories. That's another show. That's a whole show. I mean, Dan, what do we hear about the Olympic <laughs> Village historically? I heard it's a lot of action going on there. <laughs> in many ways. In many <laughs> more ways than one. A lot of athletes in very good shape yes, running around. That's true. With and, not, not a lot to do. Downtown. You were there with Oscar and the Dream Team as well. The Dream Team, uh, the, the volleyball people. Every, everybody was there, you know. Wow. Uh, Magic, uh, 92. Barkley. I mean, uh, great memories. You know, just walking the in the Olympic ceremonies. That was. I mean, I'll never forget that, man. Just here I am. You know, me and Oscar and the rest of the team walking in the the, the big stadium and uh, you know representing the United States of America, man. What a wow. feeling, bro! Like, so, what, well, man. look, you made a great transition from not just fighter to broadcaster. You'll be on the on the Espanol call of Saturday's Showtime pay per view. Uh, Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia. We love your work on Showbox, but you're also, man, you're the trainer. You know, you trained you trained your your first son as a pro. Was that actually my my father trained uh, uh, Arturo Arturo, and I was helping you know with, uh, with yes. Arturo. But now I train uh, my other son, uh, Giovanni Marquez, who's twenty two years old. He debuted on Showbox, which uh, we we saw that we you know you guys did a great job, and I was I was so I think nervous. You did a great job. Too, I was so right? nervous. Thank you, man. Yeah, he's five and zero now, by the way, and with three knockouts, he's coming up. He he's got a lot of talent. We sparred. Uh, as a matter of fact, for that fight, he got ready uh, here in Vegas. He sparred Shakur Stevenson, wow. uh, who's, dude, he's, he's one of the best up, up there. You know, he, he hired him for sparring because he gave Shakur great work, and uh, it was good work. Just imagine the experience sparring with Shakur. You know, I always tell Giovanni, back when I was in the Luduva days, I call him. I, I was around Pernell Whitaker, Meldrick Taylor, Evander Holyfield. Damn. I mean, I sparred guys like Johnny Bumpus, Rocky Lockridge, Vinny Pazienza, John John Molina. 
You know about that, oh, right? Oh, I know about John John Molina. Yeah, 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 all those guys. I was sparring them when I was an amateur. So, you know, when I'm I'm sparring these guys, then I'm going to the national tournament. I'm like, this guy, Dan, Brian <laughs> Campbell. I mean, can you no. guys fight? I mean, no, I can't. I've never been in a fight. <laughs> never been punched. Never been kissed. Never been punched. Never been kissed. Yeah. Never been punched. <laughs> there you go. There First you go. First time for everything. Um, I love the work as I said, collectively, that, that you're doing. It's great to get you on the show today in, in your training. Uh, Dan, before we dive into this fight, um, you, you you made a nice pivot over to John Boy, but I, I feel like you guys are playing more wiffle ball than you are doing boxing coverage, Dude, although I love Algeria. They got me running around doing all sorts of things at John Boy Media. Uh, obviously, I cover boxing there, but we have a warehouse in Jersey City where we put on these events, uh, and Blitzball is one of them. It's like a new age wiffle ball. I feel like I'm cheating on wiffle ball because that's where ah, I grew up with. They don't a, play Blitzball in Houston, apparently. It's a yellow ball I, that I curves. I don't even know what it is. It's a yellow <laughs> ball it? that curves like crazy. I played college baseball, so I you saw did? my day. Yeah. Where'd you play college baseball? Uh, Long Island, Suffolk Community College. Okay, uh, okay. Number one in your hearts. Um, but they got me out there, and I never. I thought my playing days were over. But I'm on the mound, and Chris Rose, you know, former, you know, still is a broadcaster, uh, calling these games, and I'm on there, and they call me Old Man Dan. Because I work with a bunch oh of like God. young twenty-year-olds. So Chris but, Rose from the Best Damn. Yes. Oh, the, the original. He's yeah. one of our announcers. He's a, a John Boy uh, personality, and yeah, it's a great place. I mean, it's an awesome place to work, and they got me doing boxing. They don't know much about boxing, but I, I educate the kids. Yeah. Everyone in yeah. the office is asking me about this fight. That's how you know it's a big okay. fight. They're okay. casual boxing fans, or they're just casual sports fans, and they like. And Ryan Garcia did come through the office at John Boy uh, last year, uh, but they're all asking me about this fight, and I think that's the type of fight this is. It's like a crossover event. It's like one of these these fights where non-boxing fans are going to tune in. Right. Hardcore was, boxing fans yeah. are going to tune in. Yeah, my in. kids Sports are sending fans. me TikToks of Ryan Garcia. So, I'm like, this tells me the fight has yes, made yeah. it. Yeah. Huh? So is, is Ryan Garcia that they know more? Or like who's, got, who's more popular with your kids? Uh, I don't have any kids. But, I mean, uh, no, no, no. With, with, I'm talking about with your kids. <laughs> that that I know of. Um, <laughs> everyone knows Ryan Garcia. Everyone, <laughs> okay, keep going. <laughs> everyone knows Ryan Garcia because uh, from like social media, of course, uh, but also from him coming through the office. He showed up. Right. And he was so nice to everyone, and he was kind of, like, unannounced. Kids were working at their desk, and all of a sudden, Ryan Garcia is walking through. But, yeah, they see him on social media in the, in the purse bet. As silly as that was, because we obviously know that's probably never going to happen. Oh, we're, we're, we're shared, you, winner takes all. Right, the winner saying. takes yeah. all was shared everywhere. Not just on the boxing pages, not just on the sports pages, but, like, the entertainment pages, like Shade Room, you know, Complex. Like, that right there, that little 10-second clip yeah. did more for this promotion than anything. And that just shows you where this is the first ever – social media super fan. there it is oh there it is that's, really that, is. that's the buzzword right there it really is because they're really leaning into it like it's been, obviously social media has been around for like 10 15 years but we haven't had a fight where both guys like really tap into their sure. followings and obviously ryan garcia i think it's like a chip on his shoulder i'm more than just the social media guy i'm more right. than nine and a half million instagram right. followers i feel like you say ryan garcia then the next thing you have to say about him is he's got nine million instagram yes. followers but <laughs> this fight's huge and uh i can't wait to see it on saturday and i can't wait to break it all down all right yesterday was the press conference uh ariel hawani myself steven jackson were able to host the stream for showtime sports and it, it turned into probably more entertainment than we expected because oscar de la hoya who Damn. showed up in the the suit with Brian, no Brian, undershirt. Brian, stop, man. I know he's your favorite fighter, but come on. Uh, yeah, come on. Please. <laughs> I was expecting you to Again, come through with it. You gotta have a you gotta have big ones to pull you, you, that you off, keep, okay? You keep getting me jealous, man. Come on. You know that, that that's gonna lead up to something. It's gonna uh, I'm and, and you don't want yeah. yeah you know, please. a lot of people think, well, I go inside on Raul, well, why be that dumb? You know what I mean? Probably not, but but I like to think there's a chance. But my point is, guys, that 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 started, that stirred the mix when Oscar comes out and says one of the biggest storylines here is a 10-pound rehydration clause. It's 
Even though Ryan moved up the last two fights to the junior welterweight division at 140, this is a 136-pound catchweight bout. And he says, your team is scared and went all down that road. Do we actually think Team Tank Davis or the fighter himself is scared? We're all old boxing heads. I would say no. But is there any fire to the smoke here of this idea? Because A-side privileges is a thing in making pay-per-views, whether we like it or not. Oscar, Floyd, Canelo, Tank, everybody's done it. You're the fighter, Raul. Should te- how, does, how should Team Tank Davis defend this decision to essentially kind of force this guy down a little bit to maybe even the terms, even though they're kind of in the same weight class, more or less? Yeah, well, first of all, let me tell you, Oscar's a veteran, man. He's a promoter. He's, he's done it all. He's done it all. He's a fighter, a promoter. You know, he was a great, he won gold medal. Uh, and he, he, he's been around in big, he's been the biggest fights of, of boxing and uh, training camps and all that. So... He knows how to get in people's heads. You know, that's experience. He's got a lot of experience with that. And uh, I think that was just trying to find a way of how to get into uh, Gervonta Davis's head and even his team, which at, at, in some kind of way, I think he did. Yeah. By saying all those comments, I really think he did. But at the end of the day, you know what? Oscar used to do the same thing too, man. Oscar, I mean, all the, what, when you're the cash cow, when you're the guy that everybody wants to fight, if you want to fight me, you got to go through my Yes. Whatever I'm, I'm the star. You know, I'm got. This is if you want this fight, you're gonna have to do this. You gotta do this. You gotta do this. whatever you have to do. But is you're it, Dan, have to do Dan, it to isn't get that fight. negotiation whether you're buying a house yeah. or anything? It's like you pay. The, I'll only sell it to you if you pay the closing costs. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's part of it. Listen, right? Ryan pushed for this fight, right? I think he was very vocal about it. He's been vocal about it for going on three right. years now, and he really wanted that fight so badly. They're like, okay, well, if you want the fight, here's some of the stipulations that you're gonna have to uh, adhere to, and. It's interesting because he he is bringing it up a lot. It, I mean, he's even bringing it up yesterday, right. sitting there now that they're paying people to spy on him. Yeah, I feel like it, it's something that Ryan, this is what his thing for this fight. Everyone needs an edge going to training camp. You know this better than anyone. Yeah. This, is what they're, this is what their team's going with. They're going with, like, the weight thing. But you agreed to it. You exactly. wanted this fight. Yeah. You agreed to it. Um, I'm, I am hearing rumblings that it's a late afternoon Weigh-in. I, Ryan mentioned how that. How late? I don't, I don't even know the details on that. Like but how, 3 p.m. Wow. Which is Three, that's pretty crazy. It is crazy. I don't, I don't know that for sure. I'm not a sources guy, but I've heard that yeah. you know, through the grapevine. Okay, but let's be honest here. Like, Tank fought at 140 and beat Mario Barrios and, and with, looked with good no in doing it. Though. Right. Uh, and, and Barrios is a, and I'm not a big guy. CC Sabathia. CC Sabathia walking wow. by the wind right now. Wow. Yankee great. I guess that happens around here, right? <laughs> my, my point is like, I'm not mad at Tank for doing it because it's the game. Like Ariel Hawani on the on the stream coming from the MMA side was more like it shouldn't be it shouldn't be like this. No, it shouldn't be like this. But it's negotiation. <laughs> it is what it is. Like, you what know is what going I mean? on here? I can give you 25 instances of how this has happened across the board so many times. But this shows at the very least that Tank's team respects and has yes. maybe not fear is not the word, right? But heavy respect for the real danger across the ring. From yeah, I agree. I mean, look, uh, he's going to try to get an advantage. Of- any way you can. I mean, and, and that's what that's his way of getting some kind of advantage. You know, it's like a it's a confidence thing, uh, and he he deserves to do that. Why not? Yeah, you're right. Ryan could have said no. This is the deal breaker. I mean, then what? Steven Espinosa yeah. told me Caleb Plant was like, "I'm only fighting David Benavides if I get the size of the ring I want." Everybody looked and said, "We want this fight. We're okay with that stipulation." Took it. Like you guys keep saying, Ryan Garcia. They gave him a one pound allowance. He took it. Now we've got to move forward. I think Ryan Garcia is bringing it up so often to motivate himself, which yes. I think is a smart thing. But let's talk about how he looked in the interview process, in the face-off process yesterday. 
he looks like he's deep in a weight cut, no? He looks better than us, number one. First of all. First yeah. of all. First and foremost, get that out of the way. Yes, he did look a little drawn in, but that's to be expected. He's a big guy. His last two fights were at 140 pounds. And when's the last time he fought at 135? Right. Go back to like 2018, 2019. Yeah, Luke Campbell, Luke Campbell 2021, January. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we're talking pandemic era. But like, he did look a little drawn in. Um, but listen, this is what he agreed to. Once again, this is what he agreed to. He really wanted this fight. He had to put his name on, on the contract, and agreed to all the stipulations that, like you said, like guys like Oscar have put in right. as A-side too, which was kind of yeah, ironic Hop- there. Hey, Bernard Hopkins, you're coming down two pounds in our undisputed middleweight title bout. That's, exactly. that's the deal, right? And I, I mean, I, you know what? I see Ryan very confident. You know, I call him, you know, he like Instagram Instagram confident. You know yeah, what I mean? Oh, shirt <laughs> off. Yeah. Instagram, no, he, he did. I mean, that's good for him. And, and, uh, and I, gotta, I still give it to the young, I, I call him a kid because he is young. You know, he's old school. Like, he, he's willing to fight the best, man. So he did whatever it took to fight the best. And he's getting that fight, and that's, that's good for him. Well, yeah. you always wanted to fight the best, Raul. That was another that, calling card in your career. You exactly. were world champion. I mean, you took on Shane Mosley, and there was that really I, bad. Where's, did you have a scar I, from the Shane Mosley fight? Oh, I got it. It was a, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of scars right here, right here. I, they stopped the fight. Well, they, the fight was over because of a accidental hit, but it was yes. no contest. And you were coming but on. You were coming I on. I was coming on, but this right here, you could see my bone. So, I mean, what? I mean, and I still wanted to keep going that way. That's the kind well, of fight you're I a warrior. Am. So, remember, I tee you up remember. to ask. <laughs> tell us about the history of negotiations. Is there anybody, anything weird? Is there has a fight almost fallen apart over something like this that you were involved in? I was never involved in anything like that because I. To me, I mean, the money mattered, but it, that wasn't the most important thing. Because I'm old school. Like I said, I, I wanted to fight the best to be the best. That was my way. Look, when I won the world title, you know, my, my first defense, I fought someone like Romalis Ellis. He was, he was still an Olympic uh, bronze medalist from the 88 Olympic team, but he was a smaller guy. Could I have fought more guys like that? Like, you know, a Brian Campbell type of guy. You know, <laughs> smaller guys. Guy. He said smaller you know, guys yeah. first. Smaller in heart, I you think know, he was trying to say. Guys, you know, no, but from there, you know, I, I fought – uh, Keith Mullins, which a lot of people did not know about Keith Mullins. Nobody knew about Keith Mullins. You know, I fought him on the De La Hoya Camacho undercard. I was a co-main event here in Vegas uh, at the Thomas and Mack Center. So Keith Mullins, and I knew him from the amateurs, how good he was and stuff. You know, he was a good, he was an army and he was a good amateur uh, fighter. The next, in December of that same year, you know, when I lose the title and Oscar fights with, with Fred Rivera, title wave was called in Atlantic City. Keith Mullins knocks out the best of my era, which I thought was the best. Terrible Terry Norris. Terrible Terry Norris was So that nasty. tells you how good Keith yes. Mullins was. You know, and then, you know, after that, you know, I fight guys like Jermaine Taylor, Arthur Abraham wow. at the end of my career when I beat Giovanni Lorenzo on Showtime. Upset City. Upset yeah. City, yeah. He was supposed to beat me, and, uh, and I was a name. I beat him. I earned the, the shot at a monster. I mean, Abraham. I mean, middleweight was not my weight. No. I was more a 154 pounder. And uh, I don't uh, think the drug testing in Germany was was up to thank speed you. at that level. And my dad uh, always on the up and up. <laughs> hey, listen. When we saw Abraham at the weigh-ins, he looked, you know, not that big. And you know, he looked. The next day when I when I see him in the ring, he looked like a light heavyweight man. Yeah. Even the the commentators that did, uh, you know, uh, Al 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 Brinson was one of the broad and Nick Nick Charles, wow. the late Nick Charles, was yeah. doing the broadcasting right, and he's like. Man, that guy looks like a light heavyweight cruiserweight. Raul looks like a junior middleweight. <laughs> What's the most you've ever gained uh, between the weigh-in and fight night? I never gained, like, you know, I remember, you know, my good friend, your favorite fighter, Arturo Gatti. Yeah. He would gain a lot of weight. A lot of fighters would gain a lot of weight. Me, uh, the, the most, maybe 10 pounds. All right, so maybe 10 yeah. isn't that crazy. Yeah, I mean, look, this this is the game, and, and, and it's, it's going to be a hard wake up for somebody of Ryan's height in any division, right? right. I mean, that's, that's going to be ultimately what it is. Uh, the, the fun reaction we got to Oscar stirring the pot and giving us a major narrative, or at least trying to get more attention to the idea of his fighter has to go through more, which is true, is Leonard Ellerby's reaction. Um, Lenny. So Leonard's rebranding 
as like basically Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince. <laughs> but as I said on the stream yesterday, Uncle Phil will kick that ass. Yes. True or false, Dan? Leonard Ellerby was willing, ready, able, let's do it to fist fight Oscar De La Hoya. I was absolutely like taken back by Leonard. I mean, we know he's great on the mic. We know he, he's, he's come after me many times. Oh, Not yeah. anymore. He'll We're friends. He's a CEO of Mayweather Promotions, and he'll defend Floyd at we every turn. You know, buried the hatchet. Me and Leonard are great now. We took a picture yesterday. We are fine. But he will literally, on a on a snap, turn on and turn it on. And he did. And I told him afterwards. I saw him in the in the media room. I was like, that was a 10-7 round for Leonard. Because uh, yeah, it was. It, it got was, bad in there. You know why? Because it was short and succinct. Like Oscar yeah. read his, and you know, it was a pretty ho hum press yeah, conference. Yeah, somebody wrote around. that for Oscar. And right. Oscar didn't say anything. Did he, I don't think he spoke up that much after Not, that. No, because well, it, because it, I, he sent him to hell. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty ho hum press conference up until then. You know, I got my guy here with me, Dre, who was not a big boxing uh, guy, and he's never been to a press conference, and it was pretty procedural. Like a lot of these press conferences are very procedural. And but here's then, the MGM beverage manager right, with right, the perm. Exactly. You know, I just want to yeah. thank everyone yeah. for you know, blah blah blah, reading. And then all of a sudden, Oscar comes up, and he's got his prepared statements. And even like something about him just reading them, it didn't like click that he was going to go that route. And he went that route, and he fired that first shot. But then here comes Lenny, and succinct, <laughs> short, maybe three lines. I'm out. Drop the mic. Okay, so he basically said, I, 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 people, if you're an MMA fan or not a deep boxing fan, you may not know the levels of the this rap war that Leonard won yesterday. It was a Shook Knight moment. It was, because Shug he basically moment, was, right? yeah. look, he <laughs> said, you were asleep at the wheel, and we stole all your fighters to PBC, and then Floyd beat all of their ass systematically one by one. There are certain things in families, Raul, that we don't talk about. We don't talk about Bruno and Luke Thomas's house. We don't talk about certain things like, like oh, Uncle Joe's in prison because of this, but we don't right. talk about that. I agree. We in boxing don't talk about what happened when yeah, Richard but, Schaefer and Oscar broke up and then the PBC launched. No, yeah, but no, Leonard I, was talking oh, about he was that talking yesterday. About it. And, you know, and that's probably what Oscar was like. I mean, what, is, what can he say? Because whatever Leonard said, it's, it's facts. It's yeah. true, true statements. So Oscar had nothing to say. I mean, he was just... I'm glad I, it didn't it escalate any further, though. 60, yeah. It went from right. 0 to 60 yeah. real fast, but I'm also glad that it didn't escalate into a Leonard yes. versus Oscar thing. Like, even they said on the dais, uh, Brian Custer's like, we're here to see the fighters. Yes. But that was a nice little co It was event. entertainment. Nobody got hurt. <laughs> uh, but we were surprised to see Leonard in general at this fight because the narrative in January when Gervonta uh, Tank Davis knocked out Hector Luis Garcia as a setup to get to Ryan Garcia was, this is my first fight without Floyd, Leonard, and and the the... You know, the cushion, the vehicle that got me to this point. We know he has GTD promotions, Javante mm. Tank Davis. We know, you know, Tom Brown, Al Heyman, like it's a, it's a team. But that team, Leonard's back. Did, well, did that surprise you? Like, we were like, wait, Leonard's here? I was very surprised. You know, he all of a sudden he popped up. I mean, I hadn't seen him in a while, right? Like, uh, being especially around Javante. And then, I guess, you know, they they worked out things. And, you know, he's yeah, I mean, Leonard's a good guy. I mean, he's a Great. good businessman. He's been yeah. around. A lot of experience with all the Floyd Mayweather fights and, you know, running Mayweather promotions. Why not? Yeah. Where's Why Floyd? Not? Where's Floyd? That's what I'm saying because it's like Oscar has been calling this the fight to save boxing and then people got on him and they're like, that's not really true. And he's like, maybe you're right. The fight to save boxing was De La Hoya Mayweather. That's what the Sports Illustrated cover yes. said. We don't agree with that as boxing fans, but um, May 5th, 2007, of course, my wedding night, by the way. You got married oh, wow. the night of De La Hoya yeah, Mayweather. Yeah, it's a long, heartbreaking story. That and I there was no streaming back then? Um 
Not really. No, I had to find out. Internet via text was in message. its early days, yeah. infancy. How did you even find out? I mean, out? I was in mat- you know, I was in holy matrimony. It was beautiful, but I found out the next morning when I got a text from friends mm. that said it was a split decision, but it wasn't that close. It was eight four Florida, right? You know our boy Larry Merchant always says there's nothing that can kill the sport, there's nothing that can right. save the sport. So it's not the fight to save boxing. Oscar ended up amid changing that to the fight to grow boxing. Mm. And I think there's a lot of ripple effects, and we talked about that a lot on Wednesday about hopefully, you know. Can we start talking about the idea of the winner of this fight against the winner of Lomachenko-Haney? In a perfect world, but we are closer to that perfect world than we were before, it seems like. Correct? We're getting there. Oh, I mean, yeah, we're getting there. There's a lot There's a lot of good fights from between 135 and 140. A lot of talent. A lot of talent. A lot of, you know, Shakur, Teofimo Lopez, you know, Devin Haney. That right there. 135 to 140. Yeah, it's... Frank Martin, fellas. Frank they Martin. Are, Frank Martin. Yeah, 135 yeah, to 140 right. is now carrying the sport. For, forever, it was always the glamour divisions were heavyweight. 160 and yes. 147. Yes. Nothing's going on at 147. Maybe something big will go, be going on at 147. Boots Ennis is going on at 147. Okay, right. And then 160 is a barren wasteland right now. Middleweight. Yeah, is Triple G still there? I, I don't, don't know even yet. know what's going on at 160. Triple G? <laughs> heavyweight. Yeah. Is Munguia still there? I don't know. He's, Munguia, I think he's fighting yeah. light heavyweight I, soon. I have yeah. no clue. Um, but at heavyweight, we know what's going on at heavyweight. They're all jockeying, maybe Saudi, whatever. 135 to 140 has the biggest collection of talent right Big names. Now. Big it's names big and names prospects. And talent, and they're all Coming very up. good. It seems like they're all willing to fight each yeah. other. Ryan Garcia says, like, this could be the start of us all fighting each other. Who cares if we lose? That's some four princes yeah. bullshit right. right there. I love that. You I know? get ripped every time I mention the four kings. And if people are listening, I'm putting in air quotes. They're right. called the four like, kings. They're like, yo, Javante ain't Hagler, you know? Right. Like, Obviously, they're yeah. not the, the so four kings. So who's the four kings that from 135 to 140? Who do you think? Uh, well, Karen yeah. Mulvaney calls okay. them the four princes. To be oh, the four okay. princes. Okay. So um, it started off as Haney, Tank, Teofimo, and Ryan Garcia. Right. But I think Teofimo, who's still at 140 and going to be fighting Josh Taylor, I think some people, once Teo moved up and lost to Cambosis, put Shakur Stevenson in that mix. You got to put Shakur on Shakur has you the best push Shakur, skills yeah. of all of them. Yes. The, the defensive stuff, you can't teach defense. You know this. Oh, yeah. The instincts that he has on defense, could he's... It's very sustainable, his skills for a long time, but he just has to prove it. He only has one fight uh, at, at 135. But that division right there, it's hard to like rank them, but let's go back on your point. The four princes, right? Who would have thought that Ryan Garcia and Javante Davis would be the first guys yes. to fight each other? And this right. is the, the most ones exciting that, matchup right? of yeah. all of them. Probably. And they're the ones that were always, their resumes are being picked at, their character being picked at, whether it's Ryan Garcia, whether he really wants to be a boxer. And now they're the first two guys fighting. I understand why they're fighting too, because it's, it's a money fight. It's a money fight, and it, it makes sense. But between 135 uh, and 140, between Regis Program 140, we mentioned him. Oh, Regis, him. yeah. Let's not forget about Regis. Josh Taylor has a lot to prove. Subrio Matias, and you go down to... Roly. Don't forget Roly. Roly, he's Roley. in there. Roly's in there, too. I love, yeah, I love, I love Roly, too, yeah. But there's a lot of talent, and, and, and I think right now 135 to 140 is, is the, the big thing right now. All right. Of course, Saturday night is Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia. That's 8 p.m. Eastern Showtime pay-per-view. You can order right now. And uh, don't forget about the build-up to that. It starts at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific, and it's your boy BC. It's Ariel Hawani. It's Kate Abdo. Showtime pay-per-view countdown. We got some good undercard fights. Vito Malnecki Jr., mm. Theodore Cherkazian, who's been blowing up the undercard circuit of late with big KOs, is going to have a step up, so don't miss that. Let's get into the X's and O's of this. Dan, mm. you come from the great... I mean, you talk about, like, Leonard, if he hears someone talking Jay he'll throw hands. Bob Canobio, if he hears somebody, your father, the founder of CompuBox, talking anything bad publicly about CompuBox, he'll be up in that ass, okay? All up in the videos. Okay, all up in the videos as a producer. But seriously, they mentioned something during the press conference when the two fighters were drawing. 
the stats are the stats, and the right. stats tell you that Javante Davis, according to CompuBox, might be the most efficient fighter in the game today. Ryan was trying to clown him, though, but what would you make of that little back and forth? I loved it. I was sitting there watching it, and all of a sudden, they bring up the, the stats. Ryan, they're talking back and forth, and Ryan goes, you got the lowest output in boxing. And then Javante goes, but I'm the most accurate. And I'm sitting there in the crowd like, oh, my God, they're bringing up our, <laughs> our numbers. Like I had Normally, right. it's Paulie Malnagy going, fuck, <laughs> They need oh. lens crafters. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, um, Tank is the most accurate uh, power puncher in the sport, 47.6%. And the thing about Tank that is so impressive is that he fights this style. I call it like a, kind of a Canelo style, kind of a Jermel Charlo style, Deontay Wilder style. It's walking a tightrope. It's low output. It's right. high accuracy, and it's game-changing power. Yes. He throws the least amount of punches of any active championship fighter. That's wild. 34.2. Yeah, but he lands forty-seven point six percent of his power shots, and he has knocked out. He's a ninety-three percent knockout rate, and he's stopped nineteen of his last twenty. Incredible. Man. So he's walking that tightrope. He's giving away rounds early in the he fight is. Yeah. off of sheer inactivity, but he knows that later on in this fight, I'm going to find an opening, and I'm going to stop him. My thing is. Will that come back to bite him in the butt? Yes. I always think about that. Yeah, what if you don't find that because, opening? What if, yeah, I, mean. I mean, we thought there's been Jermel Charlo fights, and I'm glad you brought that up as a similar style right now. Jermel Charlo does not waste punches. He waits for that opening and looks to land that big cracking right hand or that body shot like that he finished banana with. Uh, but don't forget about Jermel against Tony Harrison, who gave him in two fights a very close, you know, stubborn, uh, you know, opposition in both fights, right? He was trailing. Yeah. I mean, lost the first one by yeah. disputed decision. The second one, you're like, you're going to have to do something. To his credit, he did he something did. and finished Harrison. But when you meet your match, Raul, is there potential for Gervonta's low career low output, which is tactical, to bite him in the ass in this match? Absolutely. I always think about that. Yeah, because he like like you, we talked, you know, he, he starts very slow, and he doesn't really pick it up. I mean, he that that's just the way he, he fights. You know, he he he's always... Thinking, thinking, looking for openings, set, trying to set traps. That, that's what's so incredible about Gervonta. He's a very smart fighter. You know, he's a thinking fighter in there. But in the second half of the fight, all of a sudden he turns it up or he lands that home run and the fight is over. But if Ryan could take him into the second half of the fight yes. and, you know, hold him in the inside, keep him at bay with the long jab, with the right hand, one, two down the middle, just keep it simple for Ryan. Wow. Just keep it simple. There's the thing about this fight. Like, obviously, Tank's a slow starter against Barrios, who's a similar build of Ryan Garcia. I think he's actually six foot and a 71 inch uh, wingspan. Barrios, Barrios didn't throw anything back either. Like, Jermanta starts slow, but his opponents also start slow because they are worried about what's about coming power. back. Yeah. He's the best counterpuncher in boxing yes. or among the top. So, Ryan is also not really known as a guy that will fill it up on offense either. He's only thrown 41 punches around. I think Ryan Garcia should come out to a fast start. He should try to bank rounds. A lot of these guys don't bank rounds early because they're worried what's going to come back. It's easier said than done. But don't get too overconfident. Right. And that's like Leo Santa Cruz did. Yeah, he could get a little bit overconfident. I mean, I know Ryan is pumped up, you know, and he knows that, that Tank's going to start slow. So he might be a little bit too overconfident and then run into the big leg fan. Well, or there's the right a worst hook. case scenario yeah. for Ryan Garcia in this. And I also agree with you guys that it's going to be key what Ryan does with those early rounds when Gervonta is doing what Floyd did, which is downloading information, taking his time, right. figuring things out. The worst case scenario is a fight that happened here in Las Vegas. It was called Canelo. It was when Amir Khan went in there against Canelo, who does have a somewhat similar style to Gervonta, even though they're not the same stance. And Khan 
typical for most of his career with the lack of durability, looked mm -hmm. fantastic going in there with the, with the speed mm -hmm. and the jab and controlling the distance. But that thing is going to land. When it landed, it was one of the tougher ones to be ringside for. To be very honest with you, it was a thudding, one-punch, destructive knockout. Has Ryan Garcia repaired? Has there been enough time entering a third fight with Joe Goosen where some of those little idiosyncrasies that may not get you in trouble against Emmanuel Tago of, of pulling backwards, of keeping that chin out, of not putting the right hand up to block the hook... You just have to make one mistake one against mistake. Tank. And one that, mistake that's, and it's and over, like, yeah. That's it. But I think he's he's corrected some of that. If, if you saw him, you know, when with Luke Campbell, you know, he was dropping his right hand. And, you know, we, we all know he pulls up. He has his chin up in the air. That's not a good thing. But uh, when you saw him with Fortuna, Fortuna tried to land some shots. And, uh, you know, he blocked them. The yeah, defense, right was, better. Yeah, the defense yeah. was better. Fortuna, Southpaw. Exactly. You know, three of this, his last opponents have been Southpaws. Um, he's fought, I think, five now in his career. But just to go back a little bit, we're talking about Canelo stopping Khan. Flip it around. Canelo fighting Kovalev. Yes. Slow start. Giving away rounds off of sheer You're inactivity. Right. You're right. And then stopping him in the 11th. But for Canelo, he's lost some of that power late. You know, it's just going to happen over a course of a career attrition and, and all that. But that's an interesting thing in this fight to me. Is, is if Ryan can bank rounds early. Early. That, that's but the key. He's that's not, one of the keys, yeah. His style is he's not a guy that's going to throw 50, 60 punches around. He's not going to, uh, you know, score points. He's more of a, he's literally like a plotter. He, like, he moves forward and he looks for that one punch. So those early rounds are going to indicate a lot. If Ryan could bank rounds and if he could also get the attention of Javante, then I think it's going to be really interesting in the second half of the fight. But if he sits back, like a lot of these guys have done, whether it was Hector Garcia, whether it was Barrios, um, you know, throwing 20 punches around too, like, that's when you create openings for Tank, and you know he's watching every little thing you do, man. He that's why he's he even such a lets you hard, get confident. Hard to beat. Yeah, he lets you get confident. He even loses some rounds, and you know lets you hit him here and there, and then all of a sudden he lands. Well, they that. used to say in basketball, Bill Russell would purposely not block shots that he knew he could block <laughs> right. in the first three quarters to save it for the big moments yes. when he can absolutely swallow somebody. There's some element that, bro. Why do you think? And I think this is an honest question. Tank um, had the Floyd arm around him from the beginning, which puts a label on you. Tank is on the wrong side of the police blotter a lot and maybe in maybe you know potentially serving some time after this fight based on how his sentencing hearing goes in May. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get pound for pound respect. And I and I think it's 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 we're at the point now where it's like, what else does he have to do? He's moving weight classes, he's fighting all different kinds of fighters. Like he's an absolutely complete fighter. If he's not one of the ten best boxers in this game today, who is? I I mean, I and I think he should get that respect that you're talking about. I mean, look who he, Leo Santa Cruz, Roly Romero. Uh, Gamboa, Pedraza, uh, Pedraza, all, the, all those guys, they're, they're top guys, you know, I Ryan has never fought anybody like that, No, you know, and he, and, and Tank beats him, he destroys this guys, Mario Barrio is a good fighter too, um, and I think that this is what, this is why Tank wanted this fight too, you know, I think, uh, you know, he, he, he beats, uh, uh, Brian Garcia in an impressive fashion, knocks him out, I think that's going to put him up there, I over the top, over the top, do you over think it's his top. best win, if Tank beats Absolutely, Brian Garcia, is yes. that his best win? As long as Ryan shows us the danger, presents the level of danger that we expect that he can, yes, I think this would be. I, I, when we asked Tank, and we did in, in the uh, New York City press conference, like, is this the best fighter you ever fought? He is quick to say, no, I don't think it is, but it's the most dangerous. It's, I, it's the biggest fight for him, right. and it's the most dangerous. So. Right now I have Pedraza as Tank's best win, and then I have um, Barry, oh, Isak Cruz, too. Oh, yeah, but that's that a, was a tough one. And then I have, went the distance. Right. I mean, <laughs> right, it was the one hand, and he did show a lot of boxing ability in that. I think Javante Davis's IQ is so underrated. They think of him as just a knockout guy, but like you said, he's setting traps and all that. 
But if he's able to beat Ryan Garcia, and you, like you said, if he's able to put up a good performance, Ryan, um, it will be his best win. It will be because I do think he has respect for him. That's why they put in all these clauses. That's why. Yeah, right. You know, Ryan's figuring it out too. That's why they're supposedly sending spies to okay, his camp. Okay, let's talk about that. Raul, you've been in this game a long time. You right. were a trainer today. I, I was not. We, is, I is this I a normal practice? Where we, where I didn't have that money to hire spies. You know? <laughs> so Leonard Ellerby of Mayweather Promotions is claiming that they have hired somebody that's in the camp of Ryan Garcia and is regularly reporting back all the good and the bad. Does that happen a lot? I, I'm sure it does. You know, there's there's a bunch of guys that are going to be talking you know, uh, spawn partners, hey, if I could pick up some extra money, like, uh, you know, hey, I, I'll let you know what's going on over here. But at the end of the day, hey, like Ryan said, it, it really doesn't matter because it's them two on the, uh, in the ring, you know, with their talents. That, it doesn't matter. They, they know, each of them know what their game plans are, and that's the way boxing is. But it's always, it, it, I think it creates, you know, head games. You know, hey, you know, you got dropped with a body shot, and, you know, I'm going to do the same thing. And, you know, if it lets you get to your head, it, it gets in your head, then that's going to be a problem. But I don't think... You know, Ryan seems pretty comfortable about that. Yeah, some uh, tank heard that somebody dropped him with a body shot. Okay, big deal. It's it happens. Practice. I mean, uh, it Ray happens. Leonard got knocked I, I got out. Ray hurt. Leonard told yeah. me he got knocked out the a month best, before the, the Hagler fight. Yeah, the best get sparring. hurt. The did best guys, get hurt. Yeah, did you see um, there was some footage of Canelo sparring? I think it was Rashidi Ellis maybe. I didn't see that. And Canelo no. was up against the ropes, and he was literally shelled up, just like in the b-ball fight. Right. And he's taking shots, punishment. And someone leaked it or whatever, and it showed up on Twitter and it's like, oh my God, look at this. Canelo's getting beat up and sparring. Like, doesn't I mean, it like recur to you that he's preparing for a potential B-Ball rematch and B-Ball's gonna put up against the ropes, so he's working on things. Exactly. Like sparring, yeah. it's getting out of control with the leaking of sparring stuff. And my co-host, uh, Chris Algieri, um, always talking about sparring. Like, oh, I spar with Canelo. I spar with this mm -hmm. guy. And I'm, I'm thinking about sparring, and this won't apply to you, but it'll apply to me and you. It's like <laughs> the, the boxers sparring is like their little like inside world that we're not allowed to right. get in yet because they're as working media. on specific right. things they're allowing you don't know about right. it you rarely hear about it or at least used to not hear about it now we're I seeing mean, did it more Paul spatafora beat floyd mayweather maybe no, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting to me the whole sparring world because it's the one thing that the boxers have where it, there's supposed to be no cameras rolling it's right. supposed to be working on things no media involved it's like your little fraternity in there oh i spar with that guy i spar with that guy and we we hear little things about it but we don't know anything about sparring sessions it's fair. That's I true. I mean, there's they, every every fighter has their 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 training camp. You know, however they they want to move the training camp. But look, uh, one round, two rounds, you might just want to work on defense, covering up, countering, just working nothing but jabs, nothing but jabs, jab to the body. You know, the different uh, uh, combinations. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see the footage of Paulie and Connor. Oh, wait, and, didn't we see it already? No, we haven't really. And I and he dropped I've, them. I've talked to people that were there, and they have the story. I hope one day that comes that's got to be one of the most infamous sparring sessions of without all. Without question, right, yeah. without question. Did you and Oscar spar ahead of the night? No, nah, he was too small, man. He was he was a one thirty two pounder. I was always right. the bigger guy, the stronger guy. Hey, you know Raul, the bully guy. You, you know what I mean? Better abs. You know Raul yeah, has, abs has, then, a, yeah. <laughs> has a video on his phone of Dana White being like. You were like the baddest motherfucker in boxing oh, history. You, you love that one, right? Bro, my dad tells me a story about Raul, Raul all the time. Like, tough, tough son of a bitch. Can you say that? Blood. Yeah, yeah. Tough son of a bitch. You could say that. I like tough. Yeah, he had a great chin, too. One more time. Oh, he's yeah. getting me pumped up. <laughs> no, I've heard story. I wasn't like, I, I, I think I went to a couple of your fights, but my dad would tell me, like, this guy right here. I came to fight, man. I came to fight. That's what people want to see. Old they school. want to see knockout. Yeah. Old school, blood, no blood, whatever, headbutts, elbows, 
Whatever it took. That's how your pops taught you. That's the way the it goes. old school. And that's how he's teaching your boxing. son now. It's beautiful. Old school boxing, yeah. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. But Gio's got flashy skills too. He though. does. You, you see them. I do. You see them. Yeah. Him. I want to see him back on Showtime or oh, wherever, we're gonna be back. He, wherever we, his career. We will go back. He's we'll, headed. We'll come back. Yes, for sure. All right. Let's bring this home on the idea of who wins this fight and mm. why. A big part of the narrative is what we don't know about Ryan Garcia. And look, he's going to have his chance to make that leap in the toughest matchup to date. Is there anything we don't know about Tank Davis? We assume his chin is great, and that if it goes to a war. He appears to be built for that. But what have we actually seen up to this point in the history of, of Gervonta Tank Davis either being hurt or needing to dramatically alter his game plan in the face of opposition? Dan, he's largely been in control of these fights. I think of the Gamboa fight, but that is also a... a he wasn't Gamboa tank fight, yet. Yeah. He wasn't tank yet, but I don't know what was going on outside of the ring. I know maybe yeah. some weight issues. He had those early on in his career. He's so much mature now, So man. much more yeah. mature now. Totally different guy. But in right. that fight, he was tagged a lot. He was getting yeah. hit. Uh, he did have to change his game plan. Then you look at the Isak Cruz fight, and that, of course, was because of the hand injury. And he showed that he could win with just a jab, and he mm -hmm. had to have a, 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 you know, a, a second game plan. And... Skills. Adjust on the fly, yeah. which is really, really impressive. Skills pay the bills. We've they seen do. the knockouts. <laughs> we know the low punch output. Uh, we know the downloading the data, even though I hate that term. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. we haven't seen him really stung. We haven't seen him really hurt. Part of me wants to see that Saturday night. I always want to see like a guy like oh, Shakur Stevenson yeah. or like Floyd when he got stung by Mosley. I want to see Andre someone... Ward against Sergey Kovalev yes. in the first fight, right? Yes, I want to see him battle through something. But you know what? We might never see these guys get hurt. You know, they're so young right now and fast. Uh, uh, to me, like someone like, uh, like Roy Jones, when he was coming up, man, I mean, defensively, nobody, nobody would catch him. You know, I guess, I guess as he got older, then he got caught. You know, so I, I think guys like, like you're talking about, like Geronta, Shakur, because their, their skills are so incredible. You know, they're, they're uh, so much little things going on in there, like the, the small movements, the positioning, the yeah. the timing, you know, the, the way uh, the, it's, a, it's a different level of, of fighters. Like, you don't know until you get in there with a guy like that. Yeah. But going back to getting hurt, they might never get hurt because of their skills. You know, what, once they You're you saying get early, to, though. Early, early, in early. The, yeah. And as you age and you get older, you know, you, you, you stand, your reflexes are not the same. Yeah. Roy then, was, like Roy. Yeah. still seeing him fight, man. He fought like last month. Yeah. yeah. But Anthony Pettis, I mean, on, I, I hope Roy. there's not more, but I really, he's it, a competitor. It breaks and, my heart. I mean, we love him so much. It really we hurts really me. All right. Before we close with our uh, predictions for this fight, and by the way, we're going to have Andre Ward in this studio, top of the hour here. Don't miss it. We love uh, what Tank's put together. It's a career highlight reel of... Mm. Brutal and exciting and amazing knockouts. Everyone's got a favorite, so the three of us have decided to pick ours and present them to you today. Raul Marquez El Diamante, close, right? Oh, very good. H-Town Getting better, you're getting better every, all the time. What's your hometown in Mexico? Uh, Valle Hermoso, Tamaulipas, uh, Mexico. I can't oh say that. I cannot say that. Right across the border in Texas, Bronzeville, Texas, Matamoros, little town, Valle Hermoso. You get the first pick here, the great okay. career of Gervonta Davis. We're going to run the highlight. We're going to react to it. What's your favorite knockout in Tank's run? Well, for me, I mean, it has to be when he fought uh, Roly, Roly Romero. You know, because of all the, all the trash talking with Roly and Tank, it, it was, uh, you know, um, it was exciting. And then just the way, uh, as we see right there, you know, like, uh, you know, Tank. Oh, <laughs> dude, that's beautiful. Floyd versus Ricky and, Hatton stuff. As right a matter there. of fact, you know, uh, Roley was in the fight. You know, he he had won some rounds, and so, Tank was so smart. You know what? He felt uh, Roley's power. Oh. There's the left hand right there. And I think Ro <laughs> Ro Romero got a little bit overconfident. That's what Garcia 
can't do. Right. Get a little bit too overconfident because he was catching him early on. He won some rounds, and you could see where Tank was holding him too. And in, in the you I know think he felt his power. He, and he, yeah, he did felt his power. And then uh, Tank was holding him and doing the right thing. Tank was back respectful. Yeah, once but at he the felt same that. time, dude. I mean, he. Thinking. Take Look it, at that's Houdini. It. Get in, no, get yeah. out. I mean, it's Floyd versus Ricky Hatton. It's beautiful. Dan. The memes that came from that, the Martin meme, it's almost yes. too good. I mean, Roly, he he knows Boom. what he's doing. He puts himself yeah. in, in, in the bullseye and then of the he meme. Okay? Back. <laughs> he, he threw that left hand, and then he circles out of there in yeah. case he didn't go down or whatever. He was Listen, ready to he's, catch him again. He's one of the best counter punchers up yeah. there, Floyd. I mean, excuse me. Well, that was Canelo. Yeah, it's a great knockout. That, that All right, my Dan, best you one. get the second choice here of the career of Tank Davis. Take us there. Oh, it's Leo Santa Cruz. This is one of the best knockouts in the history of boxing. I mean, this should be played on highlight reels for years and years. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz was leading in this fight, and for some reason, as you'll see here, one punch, two punch, oh, that third, three one. straight. You can't throw the same punch twice. You can't throw the same punch three times to a vicious counter puncher like Javante Davis. Oh, uppercut, God. nonetheless, which is one of the oh. hardest punches to land. And he, he is out cold. You know, Raul, Luke like, Thomas calls it, it the land one. of wind and ghosts. That's oh, where like he that. went, you know? And, and, that is perfect. And you know what? Like Tank said, you know, why would he throw the same right hand three times? Because, you know, and, and, and he, would, he was timing them. He was watching that. He let him get confident, boom. The second one and then right. Dude, Halloween here. night, Alamo Dome. That was a special fight. 130. Tank moved down in weight for that one. That was that stretch of three straight fights on pay-per-view in three different divisions for Tank. Disastrous knockout. We were just talking about how um, the low output of Tank early in that mm -hmm. fight. It was really low against Santa Cruz. And Santa Cruz got out to a really good start. He was actually, I think he doubled him up in the power department in terms of um, punches landed. And he got overconfident. Overconfident. That, that's feeling that, good. That's a key. Low him to the sleep a little bit. That's a that's a key. You gotta stay very focused and control for I'm talking for right, control that range. Yeah. I thought you were talking about me and my life and my career. <laughs> very <laughs> cocky. Yeah. No. yeah. We, have, we have a no uh, just, overconfident. <laughs> just like the first rule in an orgy, we have a no eye contact rule at Showbox the New Generation because we can throw each other off with just the blink of an eye. Um I went up and down Tank's career. I wanted to kind of Pick an oldie but goodie that people don't mm. remember. Let's go back to June 2016, Seminole Hard Rock Hotel Casino in Florida. Mario Antonio Mesias was the journeyman guy that came through at that point. He had a bunch of losses, but he was looking to try to take Tank deep. Tank wearing the huge shorts in this one. <laughs> but look, Tank sometimes can do ridiculous shit like Roy Jones type shit. Wow. Leaping right hook around the guard. The check right hook, just man. A, just a thing of beauty. And look, it was a delay. It was a delay. The fight's over. That's, I mean, that's what happens. He can do that stuff. He can wait for rounds and pick out the one moment. Uh, he's a spectacular fighter, but some of these early ones, man, he, these guys didn't, you can't see that coming. Come on. Dude, a lead right is one of the best punches in boxing. It's so pretty. Like Floyd made a whole career on throwing that lead right, right? It's not the punch you see too often. That counter, you're yeah, talking about Floyd the counter right. Yeah, but Floyd wasn't getting off his feet doing the Roy Jones. I mean, that was. If they could replay that again, that, that's like, look, that when he throws that right, that, you know, uh, we talked about Ro Roy Jones, that counter right hook. You know, Ro Roy Jones like to, the roosters, you know, yes. it's like a, yeah. like, a, like a rooster kick, you know, like that. They kick. That, that's exactly what he was doing. It looks like a rooster, boom, with the right hook, right? We're chasing after the chasing rooster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Roy had a way with the cocks. You know what I mean? I saw that. <laughs> He's a I saw that, that picture that leaked that time. <laughs> wow. Come on, Did bro. you say Coxman? Orgies, on Coxman. my show, did you say Coxman? That's ridiculous. Uh, let's close it with a kiss here. This Saturday night, Showtime pay-per-view. Raul, I, I want to respect you on the broadcast. Are you allowed to lean and make a prediction publicly? I don't know if you are. You're I can. I mean, that's not, yeah. Okay. Why not? Who wins this fight and why? I want to know. Well, I think I think it's it's going to be some slow rounds early on. You know, just like you know, we know the way Tank fights, and I don't know if uh, Ryan's going to take advantage of that, which he he should to put those rounds in the bag just in case. 
But at, and then, you know, middle round, some good exchanges. People are going to get excited. They're, both of them might get rocked, which we want to see that. Yes. And, you know, we, we like we talked about the whole show. We've never seen a tank uh, get rocked, like really hurt or down. I mean, uh, I could see him maybe going down, getting caught, going down, Ooh, getting back up. Wow. He's, he, but, but, you I know, once predicted that Floyd would get but, dropped by Canelo. That didn't go yeah, well. You but, know. you know, Tank, you know, he's got that dog in him, man. He's, he's, uh, he's, I think he's another level. I really think he's another I, I level. Agree. And I think throughout the whole fight, like we've been talking about, like his, he's, a, he's a thinking man in there. He's always thinking, trying to set you up, looking for those openings, let you get, get, get confident. Let you land some good but shots. It, but inevitably, he's going to find the mark. Yeah, is what you're but saying. then, you know, I think in the, maybe I'm, I'm going to go TKO in round nine. I think mm. he's going to find the home run. He's going to find the home run. You're a betting man, eight, run. nine, ten. Where do you go? Yeah. Um, my prediction is the fans are going to win. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hope both teams play well. Yeah. I actually do hope it's a competitive, fun fight for the sake of boxing uh, because I'm always looking out for the health of, of the sport. But it's really hard to pick against Javante uh, Davis. Um, I think right now in DraftKings, rounds seven through 12. You can get plus 220 for a tank stoppage. Wow. Plus money in round 7 through 12, which a lot of people are, are picking. But I do think it's going to be a closer fight than people expect. I think that Ryan's speed, his length, um, that, that stick jab that he puts out there, the yeah. range finder, and the, the, the left hand. I mean, he's talking about he's a one-dimensional fighter. But his one, if your one dimension is better than the other guys' True. their whole parts, right. then it's a damn good weapon uh, to have. I think it will be a very close fight. But it's hard to pick against Tank. Uh, I just hope that it's a fight where a rematch afterwards is talked about. Can Ryan win this fight? I say yes. He has the athleticism. Mm -hmm. He has the want. Can his skills have making another leap under Joe Goosen? It's possible. Is it as likely, though? No, it's more likely that Tank Davis gets this done because I think he's that great. Uh, yeah. It's time to get you guys done, and I've been so thankful. Dan Canobio from John Boy Media, Inside Boxing Live with Chris Algieri, CompuBox. You know him. He protects the sport on Twitter, even if... The haters get on, and thank you, sir, for joining. Thank you for uh, having You me. need to plug anything the rest of the week? No, just uh, follow Inside Boxing Live on YouTube and our socials. Chris Algieri just landed. Oh, I He's out of the man. cage. He's a handsome guy. He knows how to eat well, too. He I should learn to eat from well. him. Nothing worse than eating a terrible meal than going on Instagram and seeing Chris. And Chris has just had avocado again. Yeah, and Raul Marquez, Showtime Boxing. You'll be on the Spanish call. Showbox, the new generation. That's it. June You're 9th. Training. June 9th, we have a Showbox show. We will in the yeah, Hall of Fame, Canastota. Yes. Uh, Gio Marquez, 5 0. Giovanni Marquez, yeah. Giovanni Marquez. 5-0 with three knockouts, uh, up-and-coming prospect. Follow him. Follow uh, El Diamante Raul Marquez. And, uh, All right. I hope you warm that chair up for Andre Ward because oh, he's he, right around the corner. Where is he uh, I don't know yet, but okay. we'll find out. Thank you guys for joining. Uh, they were my partners in this one, if we can go back to this camera. But I've got one more partner that I'd like to talk about before I bring in Andre Ward. Uh, it's Black Force Supplements here. Morning Combat fans, today we're, di we're diving into a critical issue that's affecting men worldwide, the decline in masculinity. It's a real thing. Low T, fellas, in the rise of the feminization of men. Wow, that's a polarizing statement. It's time to take a stand, though, and reclaim our natural testosterone. You can take Brazilian nuts to do that like we try to, or you can do something different. Let me introduce you to the ultimate solution, the Black Forest Testo Stack. I love the name of that. Wow. We're constantly exposed to estrogenic chemicals from plastics, prospects, pro, uh, excuse me, processed foods, and sedentary lifestyles. I know a lot about being sedent. Uh, testosterone levels have been declining for decades. Ask Vitor Belfort. Researchers call these changes alarming from an evolutionary point of view, but there's still hope because the Black Forest Testo Stack, Testo Stack is a tremendous name. Wow. Is the ultimate testosterone supplement stack. Combining the power of Turkesterone, Sistanch, 
and Tonga Ali. I'm reading these things to help boost your testosterone levels and combat the effects of feminization. Um, as a Black Forest Testo Stack user, I can personally vouch for its effectiveness. I've been sampling. I've been getting in. Look, I'm trying to turn things around, and that's the truth. It's been a long time on this side of the line, all right? I want to be looking good. And I've experienced a noticeable difference so far in my short time in my energy levels, in my strength, and in my overall well-being. And that's, that's a shoot, brother. That's for real. Um, the best part is you can try the Black Forest Testo Stack today with a 10% discount code using combat with a K by going onto the website blackforestsupplements.com slash combat. Use our code combat with a K. It's time to reclaim your masculinity and become the best version of yourself. You can be a washed dad. There's a lot of us out there, but you, you need to look like one. That's the question. Do you want to look like one? Try Black Force Testo Stack and use the code combat with a K for 10% off. Maybe you'll start looking like Andre Ward. In fact, um, we're going to throw to a trailer here. There's a great documentary coming to Showtime June 2nd. You can watch it on Showtime and Paramount streaming services galore. And it is called SOG, The Book of Ward. It's about the Hall of Famer, the fantastic broadcaster, and the guy who really, right, Olympic gold medalist, but really made his name as a pro here on Showtime in the Super 6 boxing series, and then went on to even, uh, you know, amazing great fights beyond there, the pair of fights with Sergey Kovalev and all that. Check out this trailer ahead of June 2nd for SOG, Book of Ward. Ladies and gentlemen, Andre Ward! My career wasn't perfect. I made mistakes. Trouble's gonna come. How you gonna respond to it? You know what we're here for! Don't go home without it! I'm thinking about my journey to that point. I'm thinking about my struggles. You have to understand what I've been through. Bay Area kid, through and through. It's a major street culture. Both parents are drug addicted. My dad with heroin, and that's my hero. His dad had brought him to the gym, and I said, the little kid got a little pop. You could tell the kid was different. I think you're alien, for real. The kid is actually the rest of you. My dad never stopped fighting, but he had a heart attack at 46 years of age. For Andre, it was devastating. It took me hitting rock bottom to where I finally began to communicate with God again. I feel the burden to finish everything we started. He's one of the great champions from the history of boxing. 32 and 0, his brother Andre Ward was great. Boxing has devoured many great men. I'm going to do things my way. People don't identify with a guy who has chosen as his nickname, Son of God. I said this early in my career, you know, I'm going to retire from boxing. I'm not going to let boxing retire me. This was all the plan from day one. Only thing you ain't done in boxing is lose. What's there to stick around for? I wanted to have a body of work, not just in the ring, but as a man. We close this chapter. This book is closed. SOG, The Book of Ward, only on Showtime, streaming with Paramount+. Plus. And if that teaser didn't get you fired up, uh, it's even better, the, the, the film. I was moved by this. Andre Ward, the first ballot Hall of Famer and so many other things, father, you know, son, uh, so many things, husband. 
I love the the phrase that's in the start of that teaser because you're like, you know, you don't know me until you know my story, yeah. you know? I don't think us who felt we even knew you to a high <laughs> level, and you know, you've always been one of my favorite fighters. I've always enjoyed interviewing you because you're, you're tough, you're honest, but you are a next level honest and open in this film that we've never seen before. I wanna thank you for doing that because yeah. it helps me understand you, the man, on a deeper level. Uh, why now? And this is not your 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 natural move. So why why in general? Man, it's um, you know it's a time and a place for everything. You know, and I knew early on, like when I when the, when the world first saw me in two thousand and four, I was fresh off. I was I was rough. I was fresh off the streets. Had just given my life back to God and was trying to figure it out. You know, but I also had study boxing, and I knew that you know I didn't want to come in with the with the same old rags to riches story. I grew up in the project. I, I didn't really want to lead with that. I wanted people to get to know me for who I was at that time, embrace me. And here's the other thing. I'm an 80s baby. So I grew up, like, we don't tell our business. We no. don't, like, the, the world we live in today is not the There's world. There's no such thing as a therapist. You know, don't be telling people your business. At you all. Know? Yeah. You know, we, we just, that's how I was raised. So the world we live in today is a lot different. And I just, I knew the story would be told one day, and I wanted to tell it in my words and tell it the right way. And then here we are. Uh, look, a powerful film that focuses on on your personal character, and it's like, I say love him or hate him because not everything you did and decisions you made business-wise, boxing-wise, and, and, and to be fair, we didn't know a lot yep. about what you were dealing with, the injury, the major injuries. Like, there's a lot of things that come out in this film, even if you followed Andre's career, that we didn't know. But you did stand firm to your principles along the way. And there were times as a journalist and fan, I'm like, what is he doing? He's been out a long time, you know? And then, of course, when you retire, everybody's knocking for you to come back. Um that seemed to be important from you from the beginning that I'm going to live my life and operate my career this way. And whether the media or the fans love or hate me, they're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the dislike or the questions get, get a lot more, you know, um, notoriety than they should, you know, so there was a lot of respect during those tough times when, you know, going through a lawsuit, there was a lot of support and a lot of genuine people just saying, dude, we just want to see you. Then you had the other element where it's like, Oh, he's wasting his career. What is he doing? Oh my gosh. But I think the, the part that the media, lost sight of was that do you guys realize that you know money's going out to fight for something I believe in but no money's coming in and that's one of the hardest times I mean probably bar losing my father that I've ever had to deal with you're not humanized in that way it's just get in there and perform for us yes. we want to see you tough time but it was something I had to go through and it was something that was necessary and I also say this you know I knew I knew my role in boxing you know as I was going through that lawsuit I started to realize that my 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 calling in the sport is not to be the next Floyd Mayweather. Yep. It's to be the first Andre Ward, do it the way I feel led to do it, <clears throat> make, make, try to make the right decisions. You don't make them all right. And whatever may come, may come, but stand on that, and hopefully that'll be a blueprint for the next generation. Well, the biggest thing I think we can respect as fans and admirers was that you did it your way. You probably could have come back a lot. I'd love to get into that, actually. But, uh, uh, you know, there's always money there, but you, you stood firm. You stood firm in a lot of ways. You're one of the greatest fighters I've ever seen. You, you, and, and that's indisputable. First ballot Hall of Famer, retired, undefeated, did it your way. Do you feel like you maximized the gifts you were given and fought everybody you could? And when you, when you do look back on it, are you 100% fulfilled with what you accomplished? I'm at, I'm at peace. I'm at peace. Now, the warrior in me, the competitor in me, I want more. Yeah. You know, I can always see somebody and my brain starts to go to that place. Man, I can get him. I can get him. Man, I just probably need you know, good six months, seven months, couple tune-ups. Like that, that's not going away. Because that's be, the competitor, right? I'm gonna be 60 yeah. doing that. But 
deep down, I did it the way it was supposed to be done, and I and I believe I maxed out. You know, I didn't cheat the sport. Yeah. I didn't I didn't cut corners. I, I maxed out. I got every ounce of God gave. I got I gave God back every ounce of talent and gift and effort that I possibly could. And I gave the sport my all, but I couldn't give the sport all of me. I had to leave some for my family and my loved ones. And then the other things that I got going on in life, like this project. You know, I know that, you know, I, I have this in me to create and do things like this. And you use it all up in a boxing ring, you can't do it. Well, you were executive producer of this project. And of course, it comes out June 2nd on Showtime and Paramount streaming channels, uh, SOG, The Book of Ward. Why was it important for you to take a hands, as big of a hands-on role? Because I asked people that work at Showtime because I was curious, <laughs> how big of a hands-on role did he take? It seemed like you wanted, not in a vain way, I want to control it, but there was a message you were trying to put out with this film. It hit me. Uh, that seemed to be a, a big focus. Well, the, you know, the team at uh, Showtime, um, you know, Nima, Steven Espinoza, and, you know, everybody at Spring Hill, you know, so too many to name. That's, that, that was their vision from the beginning. And... You know, I'm just I'm just a hands-on type of fighter. I was like that in my career with the business side, and and I'm like that pretty much in any project that I'm involved in. And I know how to you know stand down and, and give way when I need to, but I'm very collaborative, and I have great ideas, I have insight, and it worked out great. And I think that I think everybody's going to enjoy this, and I think it's going to be a lot of eyebrow raising uh, in a good way. Um, but the time was now to talk about these things and and um I'm, I'm excited and obviously it couldn't have been hard telling you know the backstory of your family i didn't realize how you know when you were going through a very pivotal time in your late teens you're an olympic prospect yeah. but things in your family are, are not good and it could have been easy and i think a lot of us had moments in our life where we went down the wrong For road sure. a bit sure. i didn't realize you were further yeah. down that and everything could have <laughs> could have gone away and, yeah. I, and i look at that as like man it's a major turning point and you passed the test yes um it could have, I mean, how often do you think of that? Like, it, it could be completely my story. Like, you have a lot of control over your legacy and narrative because of how deftly you you mm -hmm. you you maneuvered. Yeah. And you had to get up off the canvas sometimes yeah. to do that. Yeah. But you have that control. But, like, how often do you think about that it really, like, this could be an entire different ending right now? I think about it often. I think about it often. I was thinking about it the other day. And it brings me to tears because, you know, this is one reason I also wanted to put this out the way that we put it out is... You know, I think I think my harshest critic may walk away, and they, they still may not be a fan, but they may walk away and say, I understand this the guy respect. a respect. little bit better. And, and, and somebody that's been supporting me can walk away and say, that's why I was supporting this guy all these years. Um, man, I missed the Olympics by this much. And I didn't care about it. I didn't, I didn't care. I was, I was using drugs. I'm drinking. I'm numbing the pain from my father's death. I'm, I'm in the streets. And... I've been this prospect my whole life since I was nine years old. I didn't have a normal childhood. I gave up a, a childhood to, to, to be this elite guy. And you just get burnt out and you get tired, plus life hits you. And it all hit me at one time. And I uttered the words, I don't care about the Olympics. I don't care what, I don't care. And I'm thankful I had a man in Verge who was a praying man. And my mother at that time, she was doing good, getting her life back together. He said, son, if you, let this pass you by. You'll never, you'll never live it down. And I fought him on it like, no, I know what I'm doing. And, but deep down, I knew he was telling the truth. And I'm so glad I had somebody to look me in the face and be honest with me. I mean, uh, this isn't about me, but I mean, I, I hit a level of depression, substance abuse, and, mm -hmm. and it walked away and dropped out of college. And, wow. had, and I, you know, so when I watch in that, I, I look back on it and say, man, like, I'm so lucky to have come around and be where I am today. But I remember, you know, the, what the voices were of like, yeah. you know, yeah, man, this isn't worth it. This, this isn't all this, you know, like, let's just, it's yeah. not worth it. The pressure is just not worth yeah. it. But 
you found your way. Virgil Hunter, your trainer and father figure in a lot of ways. I didn't realize, man, he, you, you and your brother had moved in with him. We think of him as the calm voice, the careless <laughs> whisperer in the corner there. But I've got a lot, you know, an even deeper level of respect. I mean, do you look at Virgil as an angel? That, that yeah, man, God, God definitely sent him to me. And I think at that time in his life, <clears throat> I was sent to him. He was, uh, you know, his son, Jovan, he had uh, been training his son and, you know, some stuff happened in the family. He wasn't able to, you know, he's basically torn away from Jovan. And I stepped in at that right time. And it, um, he talks about it. He said, man, we saved each other's lives. So God definitely sent him to me. He was the right man for the job. And it's just amazing that we stuck together the way that we did. And we went as far as we did. And, um, you know, he's not officially a Hall of Fame trainer, but he's a Hall of Fame trainer in my book and a Hall of Fame man. And we all, we all need people, man. We need yeah. people. We need messengers, people to come at certain points in time in our life and be that voice, to be that support system, and to be honest with us and, and keep it real when it's time to keep it real. Yeah, absolutely, in that regard. And there's no shortage of uh, prime voices in this film from Michael Jordan to Marshawn Lynch <laughs> to Dame Lillard, and then obviously from a boxing standpoint, Roy Jones Jr., yeah. I mean, Bernard Hopkins, all yeah. of our heroes, all of your heroes is there any level of pinch me when you see the, the final rough draft on this doc and you're like, I got MJ sitting down, breaking down my personal character. Not, not me as a boxer, my personal character as a man. That, that's a wake-up call, right? It's a wake-up call. It's crazy. It's, it's surreal. And I almost didn't, even, almost didn't even ask him to be in it. You know, my, my, my brother, who's the co-director of Deontay Thompson of this film, he brought it up. And he's one of those voices in my life, like, man, go, you know, use your contacts, man. Call him. I said, bro, I'm not calling Mike. I'm not calling. I'm not, I'm not asking him to be in this. You know how many people are asking him to be in projects, and he's probably going to say no. I took him up on it. I called Larry Miller, former president of uh, Jordan Brand, my good friend. He said, yeah, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me call Mike. I'll see what's up. He said, Mike wants, Mike wants you to call him yourself. Called him. And okay. It, it was that easy. We flew to Charlotte, and he knocked it out. So it's just it's crazy. We had, like, I think a total of 42 uh, interviews. Yes. Obviously, they all can't make the cut, but we have, we have 42 people uh, be willing to well, do here's these what, interviews. Yeah. Here's what I liked about it as a, as a longtime like, inside baseball boxing guy who's covered this game and is on the boxing Twitter rumor mill and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know, It's like every time, like, are they going to touch on that? Oh, they touched on that yeah, deep. Yeah, are they yeah. going to hit that? They're going to hit that. <laughs> Obviously, they hit things I didn't know about, mm -hmm. the level of the injuries that they showed on the screen, how much money you're paying out of pocket yeah. while you're out to repair this or that, and fans don't see that. You never wanted fans or opponents to see that no. i don't think i've seen an athlete as committed to not showing in-ring weakness as i did after watching this film that's like old school battlefield stuff that's how i was raised we we don't you know like again this era is just it's it's, it's interesting to me that, that we announce everything before it happens and i get i get the benefits on the back end you know but it's also a downside too we just kept everything quiet we showed up on the night and we got it done and injuries were, were part of it you know and it was just the wear and tear. Like I, I didn't have, like I had an abnormal like drive about me, and an abnormal work ethic. Like I would always push the limit. Like I needed Verge, I needed other people, other trainers. You know, Edward Jackson, my other assistant trainer, to say, bro, well, that's it, because I'm gonna find the biggest heel to run in training camp. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that extra sprint. I'm gonna go another five rounds in sparring. That catches up when you've been doing it since you've been nine. So you know, knee stuff and and shoulders and you know, you start getting on the back half of your career. I'm spending more money for prehab trying to keep from getting injured sure. than I am my actual training camp. Maintenance, man. Maintenance to keep to keep the truck on the road, right? Keep it moving, yeah. Um there's so many great stories in terms of the rivalries in there. Uh, you know, what you walk through against Sergey Kovalev. 
if I look at your career, like if somebody said, describe to me, if I'm like an MMA fan, we have a lot of MMA fans on the show, yeah, yeah. describe to me who Andre Ward was as a boxer. Of course, you know me, I'm going to go 90s lyrics and <laughs> embarrass myself. But if there was a problem, you'll, he'll solve it. <laughs> and I say that as lame as it is to say you could fight every style, but there were fights that you had to fight yeah. every style in order to do it. The Mikkel Kessler win, which was the first round of the Super 6 boxing tournament where you were not even remotely in the favorite conversation. You were the American young, is he really that good, gold medalist, but what? I remember people were talking about Jermaine Taylor if they weren't talking about the three Europeans, yeah. right? I remember they were talking about Darrell saying, yeah. you know what, he, this might be his time to shine. It turned out to be yours, but when you met Mikkel Kessler and that was the, okay, let's, okay, okay, one of the favorites along with Carl Frotch and Arthur Abraham, you know what I forgot? And this doc reminded me, how you made the decision ahead of time, the best way to fight this guy is to be physical, yeah. is to get in, in that ass, yeah, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. And he didn't respond well to that. He wasn't trained that way. You know, um, a lot of times we win the fight, me and my team, before we fight. We got to go out and train and execute ultimately on the night. But we see something and we know, like, if I do my job, you're not beating me. That was what we saw in Mikkel. Good fighter, but he, he needs you in a certain place. He's sure. taught and trained his whole life to keep you on the end of his punches. Let's, you know, let's, let's all play His two fair. fights with Frotch were yeah. great, but he's allowed to counter from the outside. Right, right but he, I didn't see any educated inside fighting, and the inside fighting for me was just arriving at that time. We had been working on it for two years prior. It showed up in the Allen Green fight, and well, a little before the Allen Green, the, the Edison Miranda fight. So, like, at this stage with Kessler, it was, it was the perfect time to test it out and to bring him to America and specifically Oakland, and just, you know, show him some hospitality. I mean, if that fight was in Denmark, is it, <laughs> oh, is it different? Or? Yeah, it's different. Why? They, they would Why? Have, every time we got close, they would have made sure we broke. They would have never let me work on the inside. Um, I probably would have had points taken for this or, or something else. It, it, they would have made it difficult for me, but I still believe I would have found a way. Like, we think of you as slick boxer when you need to. We certainly think of you as, you know, you can counter, you can make adjustments. But, like... When Saki Obiko was knocking on your door, we're like, okay, he may, this may have to get grimy. You got grimy. Listen, I don't get credit for my chin. I probably had one of the best chins pound for pound in my 10-year, in my 12-year And by the way, Darno Boone knocked down everybody. That he right, fought, right? <laughs> but I fought him first <laughs> yeah. before I knew who he was. Yeah, yeah. So, and I don't want to be known for a chin, but you, you, you want to be known for one if you need it. I don't get credit for that. I was probably one of the toughest and meanest inside the ring pound for pound than anybody. And... But it's funny that the the boxing is what people pinpoint. Oh, he's slick. Yeah. Nah, I'm, I'm 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 like Bruce Lee, man. I'm formless. Whatever I need to be, I need to be. Because if I'm just a slick boxer, I'm I, I maybe I beat Kovalev, but not the way that I did. Sure. The Kessler, the Kessler fight is a lot harder. Frotch is a lot harder. Might not come out on top on the Beaker side, or if I do, I'm gonna take a lot more punishment. So, yeah. The, the narrative is slick boxer, but, it, man, I can be what I need to be when I need to be it. And you were able to get, in the end, a lot of big names in there. Chad Dawson, Carl Frotz, the two with Kovlev. I liked, though, that they did talk about a fight that didn't happen that very much could have. It's interesting because a big part of your narrative, when I look back, is I always felt I was very fair to you. Mm -hmm. I don't think everybody always was. I don't know if that's sometimes a white or black thing it, subconsciously at times. It's sort of like, you know, you didn't talk a lot of trash and they mentioned the doc, you didn't act this clown. You were true to who you were along the way. And I always 
really respected that. But when Gennady Golovkin started knocking people through the screen <laughs> and he had that smile, he became a media darling in a monster way. <clears throat> but when I look back on that, I feel like that fight could have happened and I don't think you were standing in the way of it at all. No, I wasn't. Um, we talk a little bit about that in the doc. You know, his team uh, didn't want it, period. And I'm not a dude that, you know, I'm not going to, try to embarrass you or anything like that and, and and I'm not a bully but but I'm but I'm real about my work and especially at that time with the lawsuit and stuff like that when you start mentioning my weight class without mentioning my name I'm gonna mention your name and when I started mentioning his name no we don't we don't, we don't maybe two three years up the road but publicly they're saying something different sure and I had a problem with that and you know just to touch on a little bit about what you said about you know how how fighters are marketed and different things like that, man. Some of that does have to do with race. And I'm not a person that feels like anybody can block me. I feel like what God has for me is for me. And if it's mine, it's going to be mine. And nobody can stop it. That's how I feel. But there are factors at, at play. And I think for, for an African-American fighter, we're supposed to act or be a certain kind of way. We can't be articulate and be clean cut. Because you're because suddenly you're boring. Um, no, I'm saying that's what that's what no, the reaction I, that, is. That, that shrug is an agreement. Like like I hate that, but that's what it kind so of. If you look at a Gennady Golovkin, you know he came over here, and I love it because America's a land of you know opportunity. But he was trying to find his way, but because the powers that be liked him and pushed him, they spoke for him when he was still trying to find his voice. And he was very exciting, and he was a media darling, and I love the man. But I feel like you guys should have fought. There's I don't I mean I look back on that. You should have fought. So these are the things that instead of trying to be Floyd or be somebody else, these are the things that I knew I had to stand for, walk for, and you're not going to be liked for it, right? You're not going to be always liked for it, but there was a lot, there is a lot of love to this day. Sure. That stuff just doesn't get talked about, and, but I'm content with that because I knew what my mission was and I knew what my calling was to the sport. Absolutely. Uh, your mission and your calling at the end of your career led to just two fantastic fights with Sergey Kovalev. I set up that Kessler point for a reason. Do you believe, and I think it, it was more apparent in the second fight, because the first fight you walked through hell. You got up off the canvas. You made those adjustments. I hate, like you hate, when people use the word robbery on that first fight. Close fight. I thought you did enough because you took away his jab. And when he's not able to build off his jab... Mm -hmm. He had nothing for you. Maybe yeah. he's leading the dance, but he had nothing for you. Yeah, yeah. The second fight was different because your mindset was different. Did you, did you flash back to the Kessler go one and go, you know what? If I body this guy, if I out-physical the bully in Kovalev, he may break. Well, I beat, I beat Kovalev in the first fight. The, the second fight was won also in the first fight. I won two fights on that night. And uh, what I mean is, is, you know, when I made the adjustment after the knockdown, I knew I had him. And, I, and that was me trying to come from behind. Um... He couldn't, he wasn't physically strong, which is strange because Kovalev is strong with his punches at the end if you let him, if, if you, if you, you know, he gets you at the right range. But his physical strength is weak. And I, I was shocked at how physically weak he was. Like I could pick him up if I wanted to every time we got in the I side. was shocked he didn't body Canelo. He boxed Canelo. He, he, he couldn't. He's not really physically strong. So I, I unlocked that in the first fight. And we knew going into the second fight, I'm, a, I'm a, like, dude, I've had 12 rounds with you. Yeah. You're not going to beat me. And you'll see in the doc, all the issues that I had in that training camp leading up to the fight with my knee. My knee kept swelling up, kept swelling up. The fight was almost canceled two or three times. Um, 
that started weighing on me. I'm trying to stay focused. Many a star would have delayed that that rematch. Many of them, they would have. It, and you could we were argue this close. And if you had lost that, you could argue in hindsight, you know, maybe. But, yeah, I but, I ne- but I never said anything about it until I know, now, which is blowing me away to up to this point. And I say this about the first fight. A lot of what you hear, again, the oh, you got robbed gets gets a lot of credit, but it's a lot of people that says, you know, man, I thought you pulled it out. You can't argue like I can't demand. Oh, you, I won going away. No, it was a close, close fight. fight. He fought well in the first half. But it's a, you know, it's a fight that could have go could have gone either way by a round or two. Yeah. Fans got to realize when a fight is that close, you can't have a demonstrative. Oh, you got robbed. Robbery can't be in the question when a fight is that close. Sure. And you could feel like I lost, but. A fight that that's close, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta concede to the fact that man, I thought you lost, but it could have gone either way. But that was probably one of the greatest comebacks I'm gonna say that I've seen in boxing history, because it's hard to argue <clears throat> because of where who he was at that time, how dangerous he was. I'm coming up in weight, and you took a right cross directly in the, in the forehead. second round. I mean, directly up, you know, in uh, the second round. Yeah, I mean, you almost moved into it. It was, it was. I, I mean, and I did. It was like it was a rookie mistake. Like, I had my left hand down, and I swayed back, telegraphed my right hand, and just went straight into it. So it was like double impact. But that fight doesn't get credit. I don't get the credit for that fight, not just the win, but, but the comeback. Like, that, so that I was fight to ask me is better that. than the second fight. Because sometimes you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Tim Bradley does not get credit for your, co- your colleague on ESPN, does not get credit for the two major injuries he persevered through in the first Pacquiao fight yeah. and his re- resistance to, to take a foot off the gas – did I think he won that fight? No. Did I think that he was the guy coming forward the entire fight through everything? And he got so villainized from you robbed Pacquiao yeah, yeah. that he never got to enjoy it. Do you feel like you never got to enjoy what was such a breakthrough moment in that no, first fight no, 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 no. because of the scoring controversy? No, no. Because it wasn't a controversy to me. Right. To the media, to the fans. It, was. it wasn't a controversy to me, to some fans. Um, it's perspective. Like once you've been through some battles in the in the sport, meaning like dealing with media and stuff like that, you know what to expect. You, you I mean, you don't. I wasn't happy about it. It gave me some perspective. Like, man, why, why do I want to keep doing this when I'm giving my all and it never seems to be good enough? You, you have those thoughts, but it wasn't a controversy to me. <clears throat> it was. That's the price you pay when you win a lot. People don't always like winners. They say they do, but when you win a lot and then and then you beat a guy that you're really not supposed to beat. And then you upset the apple cart. Like when I got knocked down, I could almost hear a collective, ah, we thought, we knew that was going to happen. And then to come back and dig your way back in, it's hard for people, especially media members, you know this, to say, man, I was wrong. Right, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. It's always got to be something else. So I just understood what I was dealing I'm, with. I'm all. wrong on a daily basis in my marriage, so I've gotten used to it, Andre, <laughs> over the time. Um, but that's not public, though. It's, yeah. it's, the, pub, it's the public admitting that's, that's yeah, stuff. I hope my wife isn't watching. Um, I will say this, though. Obviously, the walk-off knockout win to end your career is like Jordan against the Jazz or Elway winning two Super Bowls and walking away. Um, people still will say, hey, you did hit him in the balls a couple of times. Did you? Where were those punches at the end there, Andre Ward? I don't think so. I think maybe one straight beneath the belt line. But again, if you look at the beginning of the fight, <clears throat> Tony Weeks said, your cup is high. Your belt line is high. True, true. You know why his belt line was high? Because he thought you might go to the body? He knew I was going to the body because of the first fight. Yeah. He said, this is good. This is a legal blow, meaning right here on this belt that you tried to pull up over your navel, this is good. That's where the majority of those, it was three punches. I didn't argue it much because you had hurt <clears throat> him so bad to the body legally <clears throat> that 
that it's referee discretion in that moment, and the referee called that a knockout. So what are we going to say? You know what I mean? If it was low, they should have called I, it. Right? I wasn't going to be mad. I, I actually would wish he would have let it go. There's no way. There's no way he was going to get to the, the 12th round. Yeah. There's no way. No, I agree with you. So, again, that's the price you pay for winning a lot. All right. I want to head into Davis Garcia in a second, obviously. I do want to mention, I'm glad you never came back. And I think the documentary tells us your true thoughts on it and, and, the, and the mental journey it took to get there. But, you know, I do podcasts. I got to fill time. Two years ago when Canelo starts making 68 his own and he went up to 75 and he beat Kovalev and we're like, oh, he can carry his yeah. power up here. There's nobody on paper that can beat Canelo mm -hmm. at this weight class. And this was two years ago. And I would say except for Andre Ward. And if you give him enough time, he can fight every style. He's naturally <laughs> bigger. I actually think he can be, at that point, the number one biggest star in pound for pound one in the sport. Did that ever actually get close besides you, like, on a run in the morning going, you know, maybe yeah. I could? Did it ever get anywhere? Yeah. I think the closest I ever personally came to, to being open to it was when uh, Canelo fought Kovalev. Um, I was waiting for him to say my name. Ooh, this is, this is, yeah. okay, okay. That, that's probably the closest I've ever come to, to like, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting post-fight to see if he says my name. Wow. And he didn't say my name. And he didn't. He didn't say your name. To me, you know, I mean, him saying my name, you know, I'm not, everything wasn't based on him, but I'm just saying that was the closest that I came to saying, if he says my name, we may have something. And I just, he just, uh, they asked him a question about who do you want next, and he, he gave the sort of the boilerplate response, oh, my team, and, you know, we'll see. And, that was the perfect time. You just beat a guy that I had beaten and, you know, that's why that's why people link me and him together. Yeah. It's not just my retirement, it's the fact that we have a common opponent. That's the only reason why. I don't have no beef with Canelo. I don't dislike Canelo. But nobody called you. There wasn't numbers thrown around like it never got there, right? There's some calls being made, yeah. Okay. Few okay. Calls. Okay. Few calls. Yeah. Few calls. I mean, how 38-year-old at that time, probably about 38, 39-year-old Andre Ward. Um, like 37. Healthy? Healthy enough to have made a run if you had wanted to? I mean, you can't convince me otherwise. Okay. But, I, but We learned in the doc, even yeah, if you yeah. weren't, you would have been there. Anyway. You're not going to convince <laughs> yeah. me otherwise. But it's, you know, it, it, it wouldn't have been easy. You know, it wouldn't have been easy. But how are you going to tell me that I, I couldn't do it? I just, I, I, it's not going to register. I couldn't, I couldn't have told you. <laughs> uh, and I didn't want to, you know, close your career. And you mentioned the film. Carl Froch was a great competitor. And you took him out in the Super 6 final. Yeah. And that was a fun fight in Atlantic City. Does there feel like there's a single rival in your career? I think mod people would say if there's one, it's Kovalev. But do you feel like there's any single opponent that's always been linked with you when they talk about it? Frotch for sure. Kovalev for sure. Um, those are probably the two biggest. Okay. Okay. Just because of the the animus and yeah. the back and forth. Indeed, indeed. And in, in, in the nice flashback to when you and Carl Frotch did that little yeah, little face-to-face yeah, yeah. -face type sit down there with Jim Gray. That was good yeah. stuff. Uh, we're going to get a face-to-face -face close up on Showtime pay-per-view on Saturday when Tank Davis takes on Ryan Garcia. Uh, man, such a creative, unique fight. Yeah. And it goes against the grain business-wise in a lot of sense. But what about fight-wise? Like, Ryan Garcia is going to have to make a certain level of leap in terms of what we've seen on the level he's faced for Gervonta. Yeah. Gervonta's one of the best in this game. Yeah. Is it in him? Is it in him? To do that in this fight, I mean, I think that's the big question. Um, both guys gotta gotta answer some questions in this fight. Um, I think you you know, going into the fight is 60-40, leaning toward Tank. Mm -hmm. um, I just think it's a it's a got a different. I want to say pedigree, but just you see different skill set. He's put more polished, and 
you know, obviously Tank has the power, but Tank can box. And, you know, he said it himself, you know, in the build-up to the fight that my defense has got to be on point. Sure. So I think we're going to see a better Tank on defense. You got a great coach, great team. So you got to lean that way. My biggest concern with Ryan, like, he's got the he's got speed, um, but you got to know when to throw it, how to throw it, especially against a guy like Javante. I don't know if you can – that's something that's got to be in you. You got that's, that's an instinct thing. But the chin being up in the air, that's – like, if you're looking at this fight, analyzing it, that's the biggest concern that you have if you're looking at no question. Ryan Garcia. is, And I don't see in training, in the build-up to the fight, I don't see them working on that. I still see Mitts with the chin in the ear as, as, as recently as his open workout, Ryan's. So that's, that bad habit is in there. He knows it. And that's what he's going to be waiting for. And the thing about Javante, which – makes him exciting and also makes him dangerous, but also puts him in danger is that he doesn't mind getting hit to get his shot through. Yeah, He doesn't mind getting, so go ahead and get your shot off. Boom, I'll take it, but I got you in range now to get mine off. I'm not sure Ryan can fix that in that 8, 10, 12-week period that he, that he had to get ready. What do you make? You've been in some tough negotiations. If there was an A-side leverage played here, we're, we're, we got a 10-pound rehydration limit. We got a one-pound allowance. It's 136 here. I I'm mean, not giving that. I'm not if I'm if I'm on if I'm running, I'm not I'm not giving that. Like I hear the A-side, all this stuff, and I know Tank's been doing his thing, selling out arenas, but neither guy has a pay-per-view track record. And neither guy that I don't know any other fighter that they both can fight right now that can do the numbers they're probably gonna do Saturday night. And the and the gate, meaning the overall sure, gate, the sure. number. Two unique, separate fan bases coming. Ryan down. has a, bringing a lot to the table. Yeah. If I'm on his team and I'm Ryan, we give we can give on some things that I normally wouldn't give on to get this fight over the hump. But when you start to play with things that can affect my strength or my ability to take a punch, I'm not giving it to you. And I just think they missed an opportunity. And. Ryan is so eager. You got to realize he built himself on social media. He had a name on social media before he had a name in boxing. So he's, he cares about what the people think and what the people say. That will cause you to make decisions sometimes that aren't wise. Now, we'll right. see if it affects him. And I think it may be the difference in this fight because you take a guy two or three pounds south than he's been in several years, you can't take a punch the same. The average person will say, oh, it's just three pounds. That three pounds could be the difference between you getting hit with a good shot and getting buzzed and recovering or going down and not getting up. By the way, it makes me respect B-Hop coming down to 58 against Oscar, by the way. That, that was crazy. Yep. But he couldn't pass that opportunity up. I'm not giving that clause. That's a situation where Ryan, if he's savvy and he's thinking, oh, Oscar, this is what they want to do? I'm going to go to my X amount of million followers yeah. and say, look, I want the fight to be done, but he's asking for this clause. I can't give it to him, y'all. Now, I gave on everything else, but I can't give them that. I think that was a missed opportunity. You can't give that up. Like, you on one side, it's up. daring to be great. He did what he had to do to get the, to get the fight, right? I respect it. But I get exactly what you're saying. I respect it. Yeah. From a, we, we were talking business, though. Right. From a business standpoint, it's not wise. I get the eagerness. I respect it. And, you know, Javante said that, that, that Ryan's not like that. Well, he's like that because he took a clause that Javante might not have took. Right. So he's really like that, and I respect it. I, re I respect the insight right there. You do great work. Uh, we got a minute left here, but a great work at ESPN. And, and quickly on that, your transition, I mean, you've been on Showtime, HBO. You've, you've made this a career yeah. in bloom as you were still yeah. fighting like, like Roy did before you, like a lot of greats. But 
you quickly, people were like, he might be the best in the game. And I mean, respect to Paulie Malignaggi, Raul Marquez, who was here. There's so many that. great ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim Bradley, you work with, is one of the best. What does that make you feel, though, as a competitor? Man, it's, it's, uh, we, we, we always saw it coming. You know, something, Verge had, has a booklet that he still has to this day where he talked about me being a broadcaster one day. And when I saw Roy Jones broadcast, I want to do it. And I was able to do it during my career. It's full-time now. It's a blessing. I'm close to the sport. But now I got the best seat in the house, and I can talk about something I love. I'm not taking no more punches, though. That's it's not bad. Yeah. It's not a bad gig, you know what I mean? <laughs> I like to get it, too, once in a while. It pays well, too. Andre Ward, it's been fantastic here on Morning Combat. June 2nd on Showtime and Paramount streaming channels. It's your documentary that you played a big role in executive producer, SOG, The Book of Ward. Love that title, by the way. Uh, love what you stand for and the mark you left on the on the business, it does matter, Andre. You did it your way, sure. and 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 I'm 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 proud of you in that regard. You, so uh, appreciate sure. your time there. It goes down obviously Saturday night on Showtime tape, pay per view. Do not miss Davis versus Garcia. One quick reminder: the weigh in today, streaming live on Showtime Sports YouTube channels. Ariel Hawani, Kate Abdul, myself. Don't miss it. Same crew Saturday night, 6 p.m. for the Showtime pay per view countdown. That was Andre Ward. Thank you for joining for Raul Marquez, the champ, Dan Canobio. I'm Brian Campbell. This has been Morning Combat. Enjoy the fight Saturday night.